podcast listener named Bryce writes and asks this, Pastor John, I just listened to episode number 296 where you describe what biblical inerrancy actually is. Now that I know how you define inerrancy, my question to you is this, why do you personally believe the Bible is trustworthy? That's a fair and a very important question. I feel the importance of it right now because I just spent six weeks writing a book to answer the question. So this will be difficult to keep short, but I think I can do it. The answer, how the Bible gives a well-grounded, and I think that that phrase matters, a well-grounded conviction about its truthfulness or its inerrancy. And I'm I'm using those two words interchangeably. Inerrancy is just the negative way of saying completely truthful, and I believe both. I'm okay with both of those words. Um, The answer to that question has many angles and aspects. People have come at this so many different ways. So let me just mention three that seem most important to me. And I'm going to jumble them all together so you'll, you'll lose track of what the three are probably. But, but it has to do with uh, the glory of God, uh, the nature of the Word of God, and the claims of the Scripture. Those would be the three, and you can look for them in this jumble. I take my starting point from the analogy that God expects us to see his glory, be sure of his glory, know his glory, be convinced of his glory, his reality— through its revelation in nature, Romans 1.20. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for they knew God. Though they knew God, knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give him thanks. They exchanged the glory of God for the glory of images. So God, people are without excuse if they do not see and treasure the glory of God revealed in nature. If they don't glorify him and thank him, God holds man accountable to see, to be convinced by, to worship the spiritual beauty of God through the material universe. Just think of it. He expects us to see it. And you can't put spiritual beauty, glory of God, in a test tube for empirical proof or testing. You see it or you don't see it. And God holds us responsible to see it. Now, that's all an analogy for me. I think the same thing is true of God's Word. In fact, the more I think about it, the more obvious that would be. If God puts a world out there and says, know me through it, how much more, if he put put a word out there, would he assume, see me in it, know me through it? And I think Paul points us in that direction, namely that God holds us accountable for seeing the glory of God in his word the way he holds us accountable for seeing the glory of God in his world. We can know the Bible is God's word the same way we know the world is God's world. Same dynamic, same principle. And the, and the text that points me in that direction is 2 Corinthians 4 
verses 4 and 6. The God of this world, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from, here's the phrase, from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So there's a, there's a light of the gospel. When the gospel is spoken, there's a, a glory of Christ shining in it that we're to see. And then verse 6, the God who said in his making of the world, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So God moves into our heart. He removes the blinders, and he enables us in the word, the narrative, the story of the gospel to see the glory of God so that we know this is God's gospel like we know this is God's world. So Paul says, when the story of the gospel, the word, is truly, fully spoken, it is the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And from this, I think Paul affirms that the glory of God is seen in the word of God. For, for Paul, the gospel is an articulable word, and that glory is uh, like light to the eye of the human heart. We see the glory of God, and it is self-evident this is the glory of God, and thus this is the glory of God's word in which it is shining. This is God's word like that is God's world. And, and from that experience of mine with the word over the years and that conviction that God expects us to see him and his self-authenticating glory in his word, from, from that experience and that conviction, I move to my second point, namely, God's word is true. The sum of your word is truth, Psalm 119.60. Every word, it proves true. So if, if this is God's word, it is true. It is inerrant. And part of this is the, the witness. This is my third thing now. Part of this truth is the witness of God's word to itself that it cannot be broken. John 10, 35, thus scriptures cannot be broken. So as you move from this first broad, stunning, self-authenticating experience with the word of God, whereby God says, this is my word and this is my glory, and you move from there to God speaks the truth, and you move from there to God says things about his word, your, your, your sense and your conviction of the inerrancy of scripture grows. And I would just, I would just commend Kevin DeYoung's new book, Taking God at His Word, where he spells out many of these texts about what the, what the Bible teaches about itself. Now, maybe one last thing. If you would push on me personally about my experience of, of how I am compelled to believe the Bible is God's word and thus inerrant, I would zero in on Jesus and Paul. I mean, dear, it's just, this, is, this is biography now. He's not trying to say the Bible says this. It's just how John Piper experiences God through the Bible and comes to his conviction about the inerrancy of the Bible. I, I zero in on, on Jesus and Paul. The more I have looked—I'm 69. I've been reading the Bible since I was five, probably. 
I have looked at the, the more I've looked at the teachings and the deeds of Jesus over the years, as they're given to us in the four Gospels, I am compelled, like this is no big choice on my part, I am compelled I have seen, to, to say, I have seen his glory. I, the, his glory as of the Son from the Father. John 1.14 has become my experience. We beheld his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father. So he and all his words and all his work are words of truth because he is the truth. He has confirmed himself, stood forth, revealed his glory to me. I cannot walk away from Jesus. I cannot see him any other way than as the glorious one that he is. And and the second thing, the more I read the letters of Paul, the more I am compelled to say, he's no fool. He's no lunatic. He's no charlatan. He is more real than any fallen man, any other fallen man. He's not Jesus. He's just more real than any other fallen man I have ever known. He is authentic, and so is his message. So Jesus and Paul, in their own unique ways, are compelling embodiments of the glory of God in the face of Christ. One as God, and the other as a faithful witness to God. They are true. And what they say about all the scriptures is enough for me to trust them, Uh, not to mention the fact that they too shine with the glory of God who inspired them. So, in a sentence, I, I believe in the inerrancy of the Bible because of the divine origin of the Bible, and that divine origin is as evident as the divine origin of the universe. Outstanding. Thank you, Pastor John. And as you picked up, this is all overflow from John Piper's new book that he mentioned. He just wrote it. We talked more about this uh, new book back in episode number 583, which was titled The New Book John Piper Wrote. In that episode, if you listen to it, you'll hear details about the book that you won't find anywhere else online. And if you want the scoop, check out episode number 583 in the archive. Well, if you have an excellent question like Bryce did, you can send those in to us and you can download podcast apps for free. And you can search our archive of episodes all online at desiringgod.org forward slash Ask Pastor John. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Pastor John and I return tomorrow. We'll see you then.